Hello and welcome to the Buyer to Badass podcast with me, your host, Abby. After over 10 years in the corporate world, buying for four global retailers that have taken me from London to Dublin to Dubai, I've taken the plunge and quit. Join me for the ride as I go freelance. I talk marketing mindset and myself and chat to other buyers who have taken the leap too as I build my business like the badass entrepreneur I know I can be and show you how you can do it too. Hello and welcome back to the Buyer to Badass podcast with me, your host, Abby. I am back on solid ground. I'm back from my travels for at least the next couple of months and I cannot be happier. I've had such a lovely weekend. I really honestly didn't really do much. I had a nice pamper day yesterday. I got my eyelashes done, got my nails done. I feel like a new woman now. And to be honest, I've just been like pottering around the house with Ben, like just doing normal things like grocery shopping. We went to the mall and yeah, it's just so nice. You know, it's good when you just take joy in sitting on the sofa and doing your washing and just normal house things. So I am so grateful to be back and back in my lovely home. And I've kind of been reflecting on my three weeks of travel. And I think maybe last week's podcast episode was a little negative because <laughs> I had been away for two and a half weeks. And as you know, the day after I recorded the episode last week, I was then off to Saudi Arabia as well. So I was just a bit over travel, to be honest. And after my kind of catastrophic, traumatic event of the hotel and the heat and the aeroplane noise in Paris, I was just kind of done with travel. But Saudi was such a pleasant experience and a pleasant surprise, to be honest. So I've never been to Saudi Arabia before. And being completely honest with you, I don't really feel like I knew that much about Saudi before moving to Dubai. I think when we're in the West, when we're in the UK and Europe, we don't really hear much about the Middle East. Then obviously when I was in my last job in retail in Dubai, we had stores in Saudi. Saudi was actually one of our biggest markets. So I don't know how I managed to dodge a trip to Saudi for two years, but I actually never ended up going. So this was my first trip to Saudi. And to be honest, I kind of expected it to be like Dubai. You hear a lot about Saudi. Obviously, Saudi is where the oil is. So it's a very wealthy country, born and bred, old money, as they would say. But it was nothing like that at all. It really is the desert. Now, I was in Riyadh, which is this like the capital, um, and it's one of the biggest cities in Saudi. And to be honest, it wasn't giving me city vibes at all. But in the middle of the desert, there were just these massive mansions that people obviously live in and they've built themselves. And so it was quite bizarre. Like you really got a feeling that there was money in the country, even though it wasn't that developed. And when I say not developed, like even the roads didn't have any road markings. The traffic, I've never experienced anything like it. And it's not because of necessarily the amount of people in the country. It's simply because the infrastructure isn't necessarily there. Some of the roads we went on were literally dirt tracks. Like, I shit you not. My hotel was literally in the middle of of nowhere. Like, I could see it at the end of just this long, sandy road. And I was thinking, oh my God, is this for real? But then I was hopping around Riyadh for the next couple of days in Ubers. So it was a very bizarre experience. Um, But I did a trade show on the first day, which was very good. Very, very busy. I don't think Saudi really has trade shows. It's not like a normal thing um, for them to have. But again, as they have, it's called the Saudi 2030 plan. 
And by 2030, they completely want to revolutionize Saudi. And it's essentially to reduce reliance on the oil. As we know, oil, I I think it's running out. I'm not really sure. Do not quote me on that one. But they can't rely on that forever, especially with kind of sustainability and new types of energy coming in. They can't rely on the oil forever. So there's kind of a plan to bring more tourists in, bring more business in and grow their economy that way. And you can really see it slowly, slowly bubbling, but I can't even tell you how early on they are. I went to a shopping mall and I think like, again, I said to my Uber driver, I was like, is this the city center? Because I was almost expecting just to go into skyscrapers and like I said, for it to be the same as Dubai. And he was like, yeah, this is the city center. And the shopping mall was, I wouldn't say old at all. And it had like a Zara in it, it had a mango, bath and body works. You know, it had everything in it that you would expect, but it just wasn't a kind of the glitz and glam shopping mall that I expected. But maybe I'm just spoiled from Dubai. I think maybe that is it. So My conclusion then of Saudi is that it's very underdeveloped at the moment, but you can definitely see that it's coming. And I think in the next five years, I honestly think Saudi is the one to watch. We then went out for dinner with some friends on Friday night who were all actually all English and all in the retail world. So they're either merchandisers and buyers across various countries, um, various countries, sorry, various retailers in Dubai. Um, And they've obviously all worked um, in the UK for the likes of Arcadia, Topshop and those retailers. So they have a very good knowledge of the retail market. And they were saying that you can go to Saudi at the moment as a buyer or as a merchandiser and get paid three times as much as you would in Dubai. Just to put that into perspective, Dubai salaries, from what I know, now I know that they can vary depending on your experience, your company, but D- Dubai salaries are in general double, I would say, what the what the UK pays. And that's obviously with no tax. So if you were to take your actual bring home wage in the UK um, before tax, it's probably about the same. But obviously where we get taxed so much in the UK and even Ireland, it works out to be almost double. So it kind of makes me think, oh my God, should I really be thinking about Saudi? Um, so I think like Ben and I have had various conversations about it. And from spending time in Riyadh, it's not somewhere that I would move now. I've heard that if you're kind of Western, that you live in communes and it's not as open as potentially Dubai is. Obviously, alcohol is still not legal there, which to be honest, isn't an issue for me at all. Ben and I don't really drink too much. But if I was told that I it was illegal for me to drink and that I physically couldn't, I don't know how I would feel about that. And obviously, until they actually make alcohol legal, I don't think that they'll be able to attract tourism. So again, it might be something that they're thinking about. But I do think definitely in a couple of years is somewhere that we will look at and we will keep an eye on it for the next couple of years. Because it must be like all of these people that came to Dubai 10, 20 years ago, to put it in, into perspective, Dubai is only 40 years old as a city if you google pictures of Dubai now versus 40 years ago there was nothing here it literally was the desert and look at it's astounding what they've actually done in Dubai and I think the people that came here 10-15 years ago they were taking a risk and they were moving somewhere that there wasn't really a lot here but they're the ones now that are laughing and they've made millions and they can literally retire at the age of 35-40 and so I just think sometimes you have to take a risk and 
I honestly think the Middle East is the way forward now um, in in the next few years. So anyway, that was my waffle on about Saudi, but definitely check it out if you don't know much about Saudi Arabia. It's so interesting to actually look at what they're planning for 2030. So I got back from Saudi then on, I think, Thursday, and then I was straight back into it with my relaunch of base brands on my Instagram. And I actually have a virtual assistant who works on my Instagram account. He's brilliant. He's based in the Philippines, completely remote working and he's a specialist in Instagram and he basically does an hour for me a day and he just helps with engagement on my account so the Instagram algorithm loves it when you're active on your account now on obviously it's not it's not workable for anyone to be active on their account fully so he kind of he follows people he unfollows people he engages with my followers and just keeps the algorithm happy essentially and as part of this now for the relaunch I am trying the method of selling in the DMs. So I'm actually reaching out to my followers and I'm saying, look, this is what I can offer. Would you be interested? And it's going really, really well. I've had so many discovery calls last week and so much interest, which is amazing. And it's so nice to actually like chat to my followers as well and understand what they're doing, what they're struggling with. But as part of that, many of you actually got a message from him. And it's so nice because I've now been able to chat to quite a few of you, but I did get a few messages back saying, oh you know I I only follow base brands from the Buyer to Badass podcast I'm a buyer I'm not looking to start my own brand but great to chat to you so if you are one of those people thank you for being so nice to me on the DMs and sorry that you actually got that message I think even my mum must have got a message asking me to asking her to sign up for my online course of how to build a brand obviously that's not what my mum wants to do (laughs) at all so yeah everyone's getting a message but look if you don't put yourself out there you don't get business you know and I try not to judge before I message or before I chat to someone because you never know what situation someone is in. But going back to the relaunch then, I have put so much time and effort into this and this relaunch is so crafted. Like there's such a strategy behind it in terms of what I'm posting, what types of content I'm posting, which ads I've sponsored, etc etc and I am so pleased to be able to tell you that it's actually working so at the moment my engagement on my account is at 36,000 now it's mainly driven by my launch post which I've had 25,000 views on which is just incredible and then obviously that then filters down to my other content as people then come onto my page and view my other content so yeah I'm at 36,000 now just to put that into perspective I have been posting posting probably between four and seven times a week on Instagram for six months. Ever since I launched Base Brands, I've consistently posted. I think maybe I've had, no, do you know what? I haven't even had a week where I haven't posted. And on average, I get between 500 and 2000 views or um, not comments at all views on my posts and it's frustrating because I've got over 2000 followers so why am I getting such low engagement but I persisted and I carried on and now I feel like I've just trusted in the journey and it's happening and it's coming and I think look this is the whole point of why I started this podcast because I think when I started my business I was looking at these other big 
businesses that were doing similar things to what I was doing and they've got millions of followers and they are selling consistently and they are so far along and I was very hard on myself as to why I'm not there and why I'm not in that position but obviously that's not going to happen at the beginning and everyone has to start somewhere and you know you have to pay your dues and you have to try different things and see what works for you and look it's taken six months but I'm so proud that I was consistent because I think people at the beginning you're running on adrenaline and you're motivated and you're determined and you know you've got your rose tinted glasses on and you think it's going to be great then in the middle when actually it's not necessarily coming back around as quickly as you would like that's when it's really really bloody hard and that's when most people actually give up but I feel like I've smashed through that wall now and I'm actually on the other side and I'm really flowing now and I'm really seeing it coming so I'm so so happy um for it and even I did a or I'm doing a product giveaway so I'm giving one person free access to base brand academy so the course that teaches you how to source launch and grow your product brand now this is not an ad for this at all um but yeah I did a giveaway post and for me like that's an incredible thing to win like it's worth 5,000 dirhams which is a thousand pounds and like I said the value that's in that course is outstanding and in the first 24 hours I did not have one person comment on that post like can you even imagine that I was thinking oh my god I can't even give this product away for free and I really started questioning like everything I've done and like I said I've been working on this course for like four months and I was like oh my god have I completely got it wrong with my product no one even wants it for free but then after 24 hours all the comments started coming in and I started getting great engagement on this post and some lovely lovely comments so my my thing here is you just have to trust in the journey and you just have to keep on going and I think sometimes even I need to remember that a little bit so what I want to talk about today is my marketing strategy behind this launch and not even just the launch behind launching my own business online and what marketing strategy you can use to grow your business. Now, this is going to be relevant whether you currently have a brand, whether you want to launch a brand, or even if you just want to build your personal page more. And if that's not anything that you're considering, do not tune out at all because I think, and I've spoken about this before, I was so naive to think that as a buyer, we weren't selling at the same time because fortunately or unfortunately, however you look at it, we are constantly selling the products that we're developing. Yes, we're not the one in front of the customer in the stores, but you sell the product when you do a sign off, for example. So I was very naive to think that I was just a buyer and that I didn't need to worry about selling. And again, I've spoken about this before, but I used to find selling very icky. And I thought that there was... I don't know, like I thought it was like slimy salesmen and that by selling something, you were almost conning someone and you were manipulating them to get them to hand over their money, which is not the way it is at all. And I've had to really reframe my thoughts around selling and how I've done that is that I've learned to sell as a consequence of my marketing and marketing is such an underrated skill and it is literally what makes the world go round. Unfortunately, money is what makes the world go round and that is how people live and that is how people run their businesses. So if you can nail marketing and have a consistent marketing strategy, you will win in whatever you do. 
And ever since I launched my business-based brands, there has been a marketing strategy there. Now, I have not stuck to the same marketing strategy since I launched six months ago, because that would be silly. Obviously, I've learned things as I go. I've enhanced my knowledge and I've spoken more to my customers. So I understand what they want more. But when I actually step back, I've grown my Instagram account from one follower, which was actually my personal page. So that doesn't even count to over 2000 followers. I have a constant stream of potential new leads and clients each week. I have freebies that people can download off my Instagram, off my website that captures their email address. And so then that person is in my network and probably someone downloads a free resource from me every day, I would say. So technically I'm potentially capturing a new lead every single day. And like I said, in my relaunch, my reach is at 36,000, which I just have to keep saying because I can't even tell you what a hard slog this has been. But what did I do then to get here? So the first thing then is pick one thing and do it really well. Now, different people that you speak to will have a different opinion on this. This is my opinion. I am one person. I can physically not run an Instagram account, a Facebook account, a LinkedIn account, and a TikTok account really well. That's impossible for one person unless content is your full-time job. So for me, I chose to focus on Instagram. And I would say Facebook as well. And I always say to my clients, focus on Instagram and Facebook because you can link them through MetaSuite. And so whatever you post on Instagram, you can post on Facebook. I haven't actually followed my own advice there. So that is something I will do. But I channeled all my energy, all my content into Instagram. And it's funny, actually, before I launched Base Brands, I thought potentially LinkedIn might be the best option for me. And that's where I would get most of my clients. But I kind of just fell into Instagram and my target customer is small brands who are just starting out or they need a bit of help along the way. Every single one of them has an Instagram account. Not every single one of them has a LinkedIn account and not every single one of them has a TikTok account. So that's why I completely focused on Instagram. And there's been times along the way where, look, I started a TikTok account two months ago. I posted consistently for three weeks and then I completely just let it fall away. And it's a shame actually, because in that three weeks I did have some success, but By focusing then on TikTok, I was neglecting my Instagram. So it's a really tough one, but essentially you are one person and it's impossible to do everything. So I would say do one thing and do it really, really well, but you have to find what works best for your audience and your target customer. So then once you've decided what platform you're going to focus on, you then need to build credibility. So phase two is all about building credibility. And this is really hard to do in this day and age. Now you would be shocked. Well, if you're into Instagram and into social media, you won't be shocked, but the amount of people that buy followers. So I've told the story before about, I think it was on my first week that I actually launched base brands. I went for a coffee with a gal who reached out to me in Dubai and she actually asked me to go into business with her. Now I had a lovely coffee with her and I was really considering it. And so I thought, you know what, let me just go onto her Instagram account and I'll see what type of followers she has and if our kind of target audiences actually coordinate and if we've got some synergy there. All of her followers that I looked at were bought. They they were not actual people. They were just robots. Now, how you know if that's the case is if they've got a name and a picture, but then you go on to their account and they've got no bio. And if they literally don't have any followers themselves, they just follow like 5,000 people. So she'd actually bought her followers and she had like 40,000 followers or more. And I was thinking, oh God, that's amazing. She must be doing something right. 
but they were completely fake. And I think you would be surprised, like I said, about the amount of people that actually buy followers and people can see completely through it. And if your account is fake, then that does not build trust with your customer. So I really wanted to build credibility. Now, what you then have to think about is what makes you credible. Now, what makes me credible is my 13 year career in retail and in buying. So I try and kind of take a nod to that as as much as I can and with the content I post. And even in my Instagram bio, it says that I've had over 13 years in retail and I've launched over 4,000 products, for example. Now, the second issue you then come to is in the world that is now freelancers and self-employment, so many people are leaving their jobs now, hashtag the great resignation post-COVID, which means that is great because there's so much opportunity, but it also means that there are tons and tons of freelancers on the market. And it's really difficult to, to actually kind of whittle down which ones are going to do what they say they can do and are actually qualified to do what they say they can do. So for example, I hired a freelancer to build my website for me. Now I spoon fed him exactly what I wanted. I'd actually designed my own website on Canva, took me like a few hours and I just needed something there, but then he was going to build me a proper website that I could sell products on and, and it was very legit. So I literally said to him, look, this is the aesthetic I want. This is what I want it to look like. Look at my Canva site. I mapped it all out on a PowerPoint presentation for him. And you should have seen what I got back. It just, it was almost like we hadn't even spoken before and he hadn't even like listened to me really. And unfortunately he was not qualified at that stage to be offering what he was. He should have actually taken me on as a free client just to get exposure and just to get because he should not have been charging for what he was offering me. So I am now a freelancer and I am self-employed. So I have to understand that customers are potentially looking at me and thinking, but how do I know that she's going to do what she says she can do as well? So that's why I try and make myself look as credible as possible on my Instagram. And I show my customers my previous work. I show them proof of concept, essentially. And by doing this, you automatically make yourself a figure of authority in the industry that you're in. So you're positioning yourself as an authoritative figure who can help someone. So by doing this, I share industry news. I have an opinion and I know what I'm talking about. I do not talk about a subject that I have not researched, for example. So then that brings me back to number of followers. So like I mentioned at the beginning, I've grown my account to over 2000 followers. Now, to be honest, I don't think that that's that many followers. Maybe I'm hard on myself and I've only been going for six months, et cetera, et cetera. But I would love to hit 10K. That's my actual goal. And I would love to be in the, in the hundreds and get to a million, of course, who wouldn't? But does number of followers actually matter? Now that is the million dollar question. I am running a very successful business on 2000 followers. So I would say at this point, your number of followers does not matter. And that should not be a KPI for you at this stage. Now, don't get me wrong. If you've got a low amount of followers and you're not making sales and you're not converting those followers into customers, then obviously you need to relook at your content and relook at your strategy because something's not working. But if you are slowly growing followers, but you are making consistent sales, then you are doing something right. Then in terms of my content, then I share value. So 
why do you follow me on Instagram? What is the benefit for that customer? You have to put yourself in their shoes. Now, the first thing I do is I'm actually just a nice person. Now, I'm not a pushover, but I am a nice person. And that is very hard to come by these days. So for example, when I've been selling in the DMs in the last couple of weeks with my new launch, yes, people come back to me and they say, look, I'm not interested. I'm not in that place right now. I don't have a product brand and I don't want a product brand. I do not just ignore those messages and think, oh, well, they're not my target customer, so I'm not going to give them the time of day. I reply and I say, no worries. Thanks so much for getting back to me. And you just build a rapport with your followers. Not everyone's going to buy from you and you have to understand that, but that doesn't mean that you need to kind of put your personal values to one side. You have to build your personal values into your brand. And that ultimately is the reason someone's going to buy from you instead of from someone else. But ultimately, human beings as people are selfish people. People want to know exactly what you're going to do for them and how it benefits them. So all of the content I do, like I said, I try and give value and I try to put myself in their shoes and think, what would they want to see? What then happens is people think, God, if I can get this from for free from her, imagine what I can actually get if I pay her for her work. Imagine what it would be like to work with her. So that's what I'm trying to get across on my Instagram. I then talk about my services a lot. Now you have to make it so, so clear what you sell. Now I've just started reading Stephen Bartlett's new book um, and it's fantastic. I'm only like four chapters in, but if you haven't bought it already, you need to buy it. And he says, if you can't describe a topic to a child in kindergarten or primary school, then you should not be talking about that topic and you need to go back round and you need to rethink what you're saying because you should be able to simplify anything and at the beginning I got really hung up on my services my packages I wanted to offer something for everyone and by doing that I was making it so so complicated and I couldn't even tell my boyfriend what my packages were because even I wasn't that sure so now I've gone down to three really clear packages and I talk about them all the time on my Instagram so look don't get me wrong value comes first. That is what draws my customer in. Then I talk about what they can get from me. But I don't just talk about what is in the package. I focus on their emotions and the end result that the product will give them. So that shows them why they need this type of product because 99% of the time, the customer doesn't even know that they need this because otherwise they would have it already, right? And 95% of our decisions are emotional ones. Again, as human beings in our daily lives, if you take personal, professional, anything, we, especially women, make decisions based on emotions. So look, that sounds like I'm trying to con people and manipulate their emotions. It's it's not that at all. But you have to show them the end result of what they're going to get from working with you. Now, should you talk pricing? This is a really, really difficult one. You want to be as transparent as possible. That builds trust with your audience. But at the same time, it's really difficult to talk about pricing. And like I've said a lot in this podcast, I find talking about money very difficult. And it's something I'm really, really working on. Um, But it's only this week since the relaunch that I have actually started talking pricing on my Instagram because I want to be very clear like this is the price and like you can pay that or you can not pay that but that's come after six months of me kind of testing what works and I know that that price is right in the market because I've done my competitor analysis and I've also had clients who are paying that so I know that it's the right price so I would say only talk price if you're sure 
You also have to make sure that if you're offering bespoke packages, how can you talk price? Because you don't know what that person wants. You don't want to give them a price and then what they're actually buying is completely different from that price. And then either they're paying too much or you're charging too little. So I think be really careful about talking about pricing and don't feel pressured to talk about pricing. But obviously if a client asks you, maybe they'll DM you what your prices are, absolutely tell them. But that doesn't mean that you need to broadcast it for everyone to see. Then the next thing I do then is I always show behind the scenes and about me. Now, this is something I didn't actually do when I first launched Base Brands. I've got three Instagram accounts. I've got Base Brands, which is obviously the business account. I've then got the Buyer to Badass podcast account, which is this one. And I actually need to start doing more on that account. And then I've got my personal account, which is basically just pictures of my boyfriend and my cat. It's brilliant. And maybe a bit of Dubai. (laughs) So I thought, look, do you know what? People aren't going to want to know about me on my business account and I'll keep it very businessy because again, it contradicts what I've just said above about offer them value because why human beings are selfish, exactly like I've just said. Why do they want to know about me when I'm trying to make my account all about them? But no, people buy people, especially if you're in freelance in the freelance world and in the self-employed world. You have to show them who you are and that they're going to enjoy working with you. And that's really, really worked well for me. Whenever I post stories about what I'm up to or how I'm feeling, they do so, so much better than my other posts. People are also very nosy. They like to know what you're up to. Then one of the last things you're going to do is you are going to have a call to action. And this is the bit most people forget. And I say this to all of my clients who run product brands. I'm like, but you're not telling the customer how to shop. And they say to me, but Abby, I've got my website on my link in bio. Of course, that's where they go. I say, but you haven't told them that. So like I said earlier, you have to make things so black and white and so clear to people. But I try and make it as easy as possible for people to contact me on my Instagram. Now, again, this might be a Dubai thing. There is no GDPR. There is no data protection in Dubai. And when I first moved here, I found this very odd. So we signed for our apartment. And then as soon as we'd kind of registered the contract online with the Dubai government, I was getting calls from like internet providers, from electricity providers, from moving companies. And I was thinking, how the hell have they got my number? And I felt really like invaded. Like I felt that this was, yeah, really not good. And you're so used to in the UK where you just can't even hand out someone's email address without their permission. And we all had training about it and it was taken really seriously. Well, there's none of that here in Dubai. Um, And so what I do try and do is I put like my email address. Now I I don't put my, my mobile number actually simply because I only have one phone so it's my business and my personal is the same and look I I just don't want people whatsapping me and calling me but I do put my email address there I do show that they can dm me and that I will reply straight away so I make it really easy for them to contact me so don't see that as a negative with people trying to contact you that's a good thing because they have questions and they will potentially turn into clients At the end of every post or every reel or every story, I also tell them what they need to do. So I'm like, click here, link in bio, DM me or comment academy below. I make it so, so clear as to what I want them to do next. Now, 99% of the time, no one will actually follow up with that. But imagine someone does come onto your page and they do want to talk to you and they're ready to buy. Then you want to make it really, really simple for them. 
So what we've done so far then is you've built credibility, you've positioned yourself as an authoritative figure in the market, you've shared value to get new followers, you've spoken about your your services and you've put a call to action there so people know exactly how to work with you. You've showed about you, you're building a relationship with your followers and now you also want to show proof of concept. So show testimonials, talk about your other clients to show that you're actually legit and that if other people are buying into you, why shouldn't this person as well and I think especially in the female entrepreneur world as cheesy and as cliche as it sounds we should encourage sharing and collaboration now you know for example I had Lindsay Leong on here who is training to be a life coach now I share her stuff all the time and we comment and we build each other up and we cheer each other on and I can't even tell you what joy that brings now we're not in a competitive arena at all you know we're in completely different industries and in our online businesses but it can be really lonely sometimes being an entrepreneur and running your own business so even having the those connections online and through your social media is so so nice I had Emma Coulter on here we're both buyers we've now both started our own businesses again we're not competitors she runs a kids wear brand I run a service-based brand but just to have someone who's got your back and who can support you and cheer you on honestly it goes so so far The Instagram algorithm also loves it when you're tagging other brands, people are commenting, you're engaging with them. And so it can actually help you get a bigger reach. And like I said, it just shows that you're legit and that you're a real person and that you have a network. So there you have it, whether or not you are running a product brand, a service-based brand, or you're not even running a brand, here are your five steps of how to build a marketing strategy. So first things first, then you're going to build credibility, you're going to share value, you're going to talk about your services and include a call to action. Number four, you're going to talk about yourself and show behind the scenes. And fifth and final is you're going to show proof of concept and that you're not a robot and that you are a legitimate human being running a business. So I really hope that was helpful. Now, this was more of a kind of business podcast, but like I said, I think I really underestimated marketing and it's something that we should all focus on. And actually, since leaving buying, I've really done so much work on marketing and really learning about it. And it's so, so interesting. So I think, look, if you are in buying right now and you fancy a change or you're struggling to maybe find another job in buying, marketing is a great route. And I think sometimes we see marketing as running a social media account and we think that that's for the young ones or that's not a proper job now that is not marketing at all there's so many levels to it and there's so many synergies between buying and marketing so definitely have a think about it because I really enjoy marketing I find that you have a lot of creative freedom and that you can come up with a strategy and implement it straight away which is really really exciting whereas on obviously sometimes with buying it can seem like months and months before your product actually lands So thanks for joining me for another episode and I hope you all have a great week. And as always, please follow the podcast. Just click on the little plus if you're on Apple Podcasts. And as always, please like, review, subscribe, all of that good stuff because it really does help my podcast so, so much. And I will chat to you guys next week. Bye.